You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Jake Corley. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Welcome back to another episode of Oil & Gas This Week. You're listening to episode 135. What up, Mark? You know what's up, Jake. We're dying of the cold, the extreme Arctic cold in Houston right now. It's actually in the 20s, which it never gets that cold. I actually had to scrape ice off my windshield for the first time ever. I've lived here for almost 15 years. Crazy. Absolutely insane. It's the second time it snowed this year. We just see it. We, we had the floods. Now we've got snow. It's just like, it's like the end of the world's coming. And literally in two days, so we're, we're recording this on a Wednesday or three days, Saturday, it's going to be back to 70-something degrees. That does not surprise me at all. <laughs> um, speaking of surprising, if you'd like to surprise us and support the show, it's really easy to do. Just leave us a review. That's all you have to do to, to support the show. We got a really good one by uh, Nick Zaif. Uh, great pulse of the industry. I've been out of the industry since the downturn, but I'm hopeful to return soon. And this podcast is a great way to keep informed on current events in the oil and gas industry with quality commentary from Mark and Jake. So, uh, Nick, man, big shout out to you. Thank you for leaving us a review. Be like Nick. Leave us a review and support the show. Well, Jake, this show is going to be a little bit different because every year, my company, Modal Point, we do the predictions for the year. And so in November of, of 2017, we did our predictions for 2018. And that's what you and I are going to talk about today. You ready to jump into this? Let's do it. All right. So the first one, online supply chain searches. Online supply chain searches have grown over 1,700% in oil and gas from 2014 to 2016. And there's a reason for that. The reason is the old guy in the warehouse, somebody like me, that is, if his boss said, his manager said, hey, we need some more one-inch ball valves, he knew all the ball valve vendors, right? He played golf with them, went out to dinner, went drinking, went hunting with them for years, 15, 20 years. And so he had vendors A, B, and C, and if they couldn't supply what he needed, he had paper catalogs he would pull out and find what he needed. Well, unfortunately, that guy has retired or taken a package and is gone. And we have a bright young person right out of school that has that position in the warehouse now. So when his manager says, hey, get me one-inch ball valves, what do you think he does, Jake? Googles it. Yep, pulls his phone out and Googles it. So really big companies out there, really huge service companies, their marketing departments are aware of this. And they're working to try to get ahead of this. Uh, you know, If you're a big service company and everybody knows your name and people buy mud pumps from you, I'm telling you, Starting now and in the future, if you don't rank for mud pump when somebody searches in Google, it's going to hurt your business. And eventually, somebody much smaller than you that's much more nimble that understands how to show up in supply chain searches is going to pass you up. It's, it's, and we have no choice. It's where we're going. as, as the, That's where the world is going, but it's where our industry is going because we have this influx of young people. And I promise you, Jake, and I, you know, I work around young people all the time. When they need something, they don't pull a paper catalog up. They don't read a book. They Google it, usually on their phone. So number one predictions for uh, 2018 is online supply chain searches are vital and, and you need to get ahead of this. And actually, if you're a company out there, we'll give Patrick a plug and you want to know how to do that, reach out to Patrick. He's a co-host on the HS&E show. That's what he does for living with Lean Oilfield. He's really good at it. It's so funny that you mentioned this on here just because, I mean, you and I both know Marty Dietrich and over at Supply 20 and he's been working on solving this problem for like the last like two or three years. And so you're having all the people who are looking to actually buy. This kind of goes back to like our talk that we did in, uh, at the Geo Convention last year. Yep. All the people who are looking to buy are Googling. But then all the people who are selling are still selling in PDFs. You know, it's, it's either PDFs or some other kind of documents. And so they're listing 25,000 different ball valves with different specifications. I mean, he's probably taught me more about supply chain than I ever cared to know. <laughs> and so it's the, the people who are, are selling are not selling the way that the buyers actually want to buy. And so there's this huge disconnect between those two. Yeah. You yeah, know, and you're absolutely right. And, and that, that disconnect 
the companies that figure out about that disconnect and they figure out how to show up in supply chain searches online are going to pass everybody up, which is kind of cool. It's, it's going to kind of correct some of the big giant chokeholds on the supply chain in our industry. It's going to allow smaller, more nimble companies that come in with new technologies, new processes, maybe new ways of manufacturing, right, to, to actually grab some market share. It's a big driver for our business, right? So if you look for the right things online, we come up number one, two, three organically. And that drives literally all of our business. But speaking of that new workforce, that's actually number two, Jake, this new younger workforce is coming in and it's coming in fast. Right now here and in Europe, 33% of the oil and gas workforce is 35 years of age or, or younger. That's crazy. In five years, Jake, that's going to be 70% of the workforce is going to be under the age of 30, 35 or, or younger in oil and gas. That generation, which is your generation, is different. They do things different. They want different things. You know, one of the things like delayed uh, gratification. So my generation would go work for a large company, work there for 20 or 30 years, maybe not even like my job, and then I would retire. And that's when I would enjoy life. This new generation wants to enjoy life while they're working. And, yep. and they will. And if a company doesn't understand that difference, isn't able to adapt to that change in workforce, you're not going to be able to retain people. The other thing that's different is, you know, my generation wanted to go work for a company forever. And, and that was the, the ideal, right? You, you have a career, you have a pension. This younger generation, even if they're treated well at a company, they want different experiences. They want to learn different things. So they're going to move around no matter how much you pay them, no matter how well you treat them. You're not going to have the 20 and 30 year veterans in your company anymore. You have people that move around. And then the other thing that's happening is we, and we people don't talk about this anymore because of the low crude price of we just went through, but there's a shortage of, of talent in this industry globally, both skilled and unskilled managerial uh, education, uh, the STEMs, you know, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. There's a shortage. It's not enough people going to school that can feed the need of what our industry does. So because of that, retention is going to be huge. And the companies out there that learn, young, learn how to work with this new younger workforce are going to be pulled way far ahead of everybody else. And the companies out there that don't want to change, that think they're going to make this new young workforce comply to the way they do business, they're going to lose. Then number three, we kind of talked about this on a second one, labor shortage. And I know everybody's think I'm crazy, but you know, we called some stuff right. You know, in 2016, we called at the very end of 2017, we we're going to start seeing inflation on land. And that's exactly what happened at the end of last year. Now this labor shortage is coming. By the end of this year, we think that that labor shortage is going to drive prices up. You can see a price war breakout. I know everybody thinks I'm nuts. Let's see if I'm right about this. But because of that labor shortage, companies that are able to recruit talent that other companies can't that think outside the box. I'll give you a perfect example, welders, right? There's not enough welders in oil and gas in the industry as a whole right now here in Europe. Well, automotive has laid off a lot of welders. So there's some oil and gas companies that have figured that out. And by doing targeting ads like on Facebook are able to let those automotive welders know that there's work here in oil and gas. And welding more or less is welding, right? So that skill transfer is relatively easy. And so those companies that are using new technologies and, and thinking outside the box are be able to tap into labor that other companies can't. And our industry, Jake, is an industry of projects. I don't care if you're talking about upstream, midstream, downstream, whatever. Everything you do is a project. And if you don't have the skilled workforce to complete the project, you're not going to be able to complete it. Once again, there's going to be a labor shortage, and it's going to impact those companies that don't get it, that don't understand how to find and retain talent. Uh, and then number four, there's a change in buyer behavior. So it used to be sales in this industry was very linear, right? If, I mean, Jake, you come from a sales background. you know, So do I. 
And so it used to be, you would look for that decision maker. And so you had this path as a salesperson where you would uncover the opportunity, you would qualify that opportunity, you would basically propose a deal and you would close it or lose it. And it was a straight line, right? You could put it in a CRM and you could have, you could check off the boxes, right? Sales is not like that anymore. First thing, a decision maker doesn't exist anymore. Companies have realized that if there is a decision maker, he doesn't always make the best decisions for the company. So now it's decision making teams. It's a group of people, either formal or informally, you may not know who half of them are that talk about whatever they're getting ready to buy and make a decision together. The other thing is if you look at the path of sales and if you look at sales training, that needs to change too. You know, there's a lot of methodologies out there. I was talking to somebody the other day about the challenger methodology and it's just dated in today's changing sales world in oil and gas. A good salesperson is a problem solver. He or she's able to identify a, a client has, and then quite quickly figure out if they can economically solve that problem or more importantly, if they can't, so they don't waste their valuable time. So the old ways of selling in, in oil and gas, the going out to the conferences and expos and the cocktail events and the dinners, taking people duck hunting, that just doesn't work anymore. There's there's a new way of, of buying. And, and part of it's this new younger workforce coming has a different behavior around buying. So if you're a company out there and you don't understand these changes in buying behavior, you're, you're, you're going to miss out. Then, and here's one that I've been waiting for forever. I, Jake, I think we finally hit the valley of negative public perception. I think the very end of 2017, the perception of, of, of the rest of the world around our industry, oil and gas industry has hit rock bottom. And it's actually, I think, gonna start moving up in 2018. And it's actually interesting, Jake, I got some data. It's pretty cool. So the baby boomers, 38% of them have a positive outlook on oil and gas. The Gen X's, which is my generation, 21% positive outlook. Your generation of millennials, it's 3%. That generation Z, that one that's behind the millennials, Jake, it's a negative 14%. If we don't wow. do something as an industry, if we don't do something as an industry, this next generation will come up and they're none of, not only they're not going to like us, they're going to hate us. Think about what that's going to do to things like labor, being able to recruit and retain talent, public perception, policy, laws. So as an industry, we have to do something about this. And I think, Jake, we've actually done it. It took us forever, but now you're starting to see some companies, some big companies, actually. I'll give hats off right now to Shell. They're doing a really good job using social media, helping spread the word of the benefits that we bring. But they're not doing it from corporate Shell. They're doing it from their frontline employees, right? They're employees that are doing work in, in the Permian. They're talking about the jobs they bring to that, that part of the United States. They're employees that are offshore. They're female engineers offshore going, you know what? This is a great place to work as a woman. You know, I'm an engineer offshore Gulf of Mexico doing really cool stuff. And so as we move forward time, I fully expect that more and more companies would jump on this. They'll get better at using things like social media. They'll quit doing the big advertising campaigns and the public's perception of us will get better and better over time. I really, really do hope I'm right about this. And I'm, I'm pretty convinced I am. We, we got some of the data points this way. And then here's another one. There's new business model comes in oil and gas. So things like Slumberjay is now an operator. Think about that. That, that hasn't happened before. And there's ethylene crackers being built by pipeline companies because the pipeline companies understand they own the infrastructure for the raw feedstock. You know, there's, there's things like companies that normally would produce petroleum byproducts, so like the Dow's of the world that would buy the, the uh, feedstocks from, from the petrochemical plants are now actually getting to petrochemical operating. So, you know, you're seeing new business models. And what that is, Jake, all that's just companies testing the waters. You know, Slumberjay is actually really good at that. They, they typically do some type of joint venture. Think about a few years ago when they did that joint venture with 
Oh, who was it? One subsea. It was with, with Cameron. And so they tested the, the offshore subsea service industry and they figured out it was a business model they wanted to get into. So what did they do? They bought Cameron, right? So these, these companies are trying different business models and the ones that make money, they're going to stick around. For companies that want to sell or market in oil and gas, this means opportunity. This is different business models, which means that there's experimenting going on, which means the companies are open to doing things a new, a different way. So it's, it's an opportunity for, for sales teams and marketing teams especially to come jump in and get in this industry because they can tap into this these new business models. Then, you know what's happening in upstream, Jake, and this affects you too. We're at the point where there's now confidence in upstream. People are feeling better about investing in upstream. Companies are opening up their wallets. They're, they're starting to look at putting more CapEx. Now, don't get me wrong. The expensive deep water, ultra deep water, high pressure, high temperature, people aren't looking at that. They're looking at shallow drilling, looking in the shelf of Gulf of Mexico. But some of the bigger projects around the world that, that might have been delayed are now coming back online. So this confidence is driven by the price, right? I, don't, I haven't looked today, but we, we're predicting we're going to stay between that 50 and $60 price range per barrel for, for all of 2018. At that range, with the efficiencies that we've driven out of, of the system offshore, companies can actually make money. Now, they're not going to do silly stuff. They're not going to invest in stuff that doesn't make money. And land still is going to rule. But the perception, that confidence, which is so super important, especially for investors, is back in upstream. And that's number seven. And then, you know what's going to be huge, Jake? New pipelines. New pipelines. All of these frack fields that are staying online, that are coming online, they have to move product around. They have to move fresh water around. They have to move produced water around. And the best, cheapest, most environmentally friendly way to do that was pipelines. So there's pipelines being built all over the U.S. right now and building all over the world. The parts of the world that have shale that want to tap in that geology, what's preventing them from doing is they don't have the infrastructure to move it to market. And what's that infrastructure best made of? Pipelines. So if you're in a pipeline business right now, you're getting ready to enter a boom period. Now, these a lot of these pipeline projects are smaller pipeline projects. They're not the mega, you know, from one end of the country to the other. But there's literally thousands and thousands and thousands of new pipeline projects. So, you know, if, if you're in that midstream part of the industry, you're going to be loving 2018. Then there's something called natural gas liquids, NGLs. Uh, NGLs are things like uh, pentane, propane, you know, all, all those parts of the hydrocarbon world that when they're underground, they're a liquid, but when you bring them up to the surface and they turn into a gas and the world loves our NGLs. I mean, especially things like propane and, and butane, there's a huge market and it's growing like crazy. So that's for years, that's been a byproduct of drilling for oil and gas. Now it's going to be a market and that market is huge. There's a, a way bigger demand globally for NGLs than we're actually producing right now. So that's number nine. And then I'm going to go out on a limb here. I did this back in 2014, I think, and it was totally wrong. <laughs> but number 10 is mergers and acquisitions. I really think that 2018 is going to be the year for M&A activity. We just saw, who just bought CB&I? CB or CB&I just bought somebody. Oh, it's Jacobs, right? Jacobs and CBI. Mm -hmm. That was a huge acquisition that was made right after I did this, a couple months after I made this prediction. But I think the, the magic pieces are in place. I think the capital is there. I think there's confidence back. I think there's you can still pick up assets for pennies on the dollar. I think there's new business models, all of which drives investors to say, hey, you know what? This is the time to go buy something. This is the time to go buy a competitor, to buy another part of our business because it's quicker than building. So I think 2018 M&A activities could be off the roof. So there we go. Real quick, our 10 predictions for 2018. I actually did this as a video, and Jake will stick a link in the show notes, but you can go back to the Mobile Point website and actually watch the video and watch me talk through all this in a little bit more detail. So what do you think, Jake? What do you think about my predictions for 2018? I feel like they're pretty accurate. I mean, I there's nothing that I really disagree with. 
you know, it's, it seems like I think one of the things we were talking about right before we got on the mic was the we get all these questions about the the younger workforce and you know how do you, uh, how do these companies attract younger younger people within their businesses and I think that's going to be huge and I think we're going to see a lot more than that. And I think this is going to be a year where we start to we've talked about this for a long time where oil and gas is going to start looking sexier. Um, yeah, and I think, I think, so I think technology is going to play a huge part in that. I know I'm working on big things and I know a lot of people who are working on a lot of other big things and all, all, all different parts of the industry. And so I think, uh, I think it's going to be a big year. I think it's gonna be a big year for oil and gas really. Yeah. It's gonna be a good year for all of us. It's gonna be a good year for the podcast. We got, we got a bunch more shows coming right down the pipe. And speaking of good stuff, we have a bag winner. So Taylor Carroll with Chesapeake Energy uh, is engineer one. You have won this awesome Red Wing offshore bag. And Jake, our audience needs to know that we're going to continue to give these bags away, but we're not announcing the winners anymore. We just figured out that you probably don't want to hear who won. You'd rather uh, use that time to tell you something more useful. So we're still giving the bags away, give away one every week. And, and they literally have become a cult item. People offer crazy amounts of cash, these things. The only way you can get one is go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Enter your information and we draw one lucky winner a week. They also can go because we give the same bags away on the HSE podcast. So if you want to double dip, go to listen to HSE podcast and, and register there as well. And then what's the weekly rig count doing? 1,038 rigs. That's good. Not bad for the beginning of the year. For the beginning of the year. And that, that should go up for this first quarter. Events on deck, we have, speaking of rigs, we have Wellsite Automation, January 30th. I believe that's here in Houston. And then we have our big NAPE Summer event, Summit event, excuse me, uh, February 5th through 9th. The whole podcast crews will be there. will be there as press. If you want to know about these events and more, I have a newsletter. We put it, take all the all and gas events we can find on the interwebs, put it together in one place, stick it in your inbox once a month for free. We never spam you. Jake will put a link in the show notes so that you can uh, go sign up for that as well. And then if you want Jake and I to come speak, and we're speaking all over the place in 2018, but if you want Jake and I to come speak at your trade association, your company event, conference, schools, whatever, uh, let us know. We'll be happy to share our details with you. And then first Friday Q&A, if you want to ask a question, pop over to um, allandgasthisweek.com, click on ask a question, put your information in there. If we use your question on the show, we'll give you a big shout out. And then while you're there, might as well give us your email address. We won't spam you, but that way you'll find out what, whatever we're doing next first. If you want to find out what we're doing second, go sign up for our LinkedIn group, OGGN.com. And Jake, that's about it, isn't it? I think that about wraps it up, man. Yeah. You ready to get out of here? Let's do it. All right, folks. Remember, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a product of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasthisweek.com.